So open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to 1 Corinthians um, chapter... Man, that was so good tonight. Thank you, guys. And let's pray over Pastor Tom and over the musicians. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the unction upon them. We appreciate the gifting that you placed on each and every one of these musicians. We appreciate the giftings that you have placed upon the soloists on Sunday morning. We appreciate the gift that you've placed upon those who will be leading out in praise and worship. Oh, Father, we're asking for an open heaven. We're asking for great glory to be in manifestation on Resurrection Sunday, Lord. May each and every one of us be at our very best for the glory of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that right, Irene? You receive that? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Word of God. Sometimes people wonder what is so good about Good Friday. (laughs) And so across the whole globe... On Good Friday, Christians are reminded that Jesus Christ died for them and was crucified. It's a very special day because without the crucifixion, there would be no resurrection. And without the resurrection, there would be no Christianity. Understand this, without this day, there would be no third day. There can be no joy of Easter Sunday without the sorrow of Good Friday. And so Good Friday is a day that we remember and we are celebrating tonight here on Wednesday night. How about that? We celebrate the fact that Jesus willingly laid down his life for every one of us. He could have called on 10,000 angels to deliver him, but he did not. I really like how Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11 says it in a certain translation in the Word of God. So let me read that to you from Philippians, the second chapter, verses 5 through 11. Think of yourselves the way, uh, think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of what that status, no matter what, not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on him the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, He lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, 
the crucifixion. Now verses 9 through 11. Let's read together. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ. Woo, hallelujah. And call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Can we just call out and praise again tonight? Lifting up holy hands, bowing before you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. It was not the nails that held him to the cross. It was his love for you. He looked down through the ages and looked down through the centuries and looked down through the time and he saw you and he saw me. It was the love of God that brought him to the cross. It was the love of God that held him on the cross. You see, Jesus said this, that there's no greater love, than, no, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Have you ever thought about it? You are a friend of God. I know we're heirs of God. I know we're joint heirs with Jesus. But oh, thank God we're also friends of God. And it would behoove us to show ourselves friendly to Him. Billy Graham said this. He said, in the cross of Christ, I see three things. First, a description of the depth of man's sin. Second, the overwhelming love of God. And then thirdly, the only way of salvation. There's no other way. Buddha can't show us the way. Muhammad can't show us the way. Jesus said, not I am a way. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man cometh to the Father except through me. And so he sowed his life as a seed. And he is expecting even a greater harvest and a greater return. Did you know that Christianity is the largest affinity group in the world today? There's well over 2 billion maybe close to 3 billion that have called on the name of the Lord for salvation. Isn't that awesome? And yet, it's still harvest time. There's room for billions more. There's room for millions and millions and even billions of more, more people who will call on the name of the Lord. You know, Jesus talked a lot about His death his burial and his resurrection to the disciples in the Gospels. Let's just look at a few. Look at Matthew 16 and 21. He said, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Jesus prepared to go to Jerusalem 
like an athlete prepares for the heavyweight championship of the world. He was in training his entire life. The Bible said he had his face set like flint toward Jerusalem. He knew from what purpose he was born for. He was absolutely, uh, positively ready to pay the price, the ransom for us all. Now we know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he did say this, Lord, not my will. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Aren't you glad he did? Then in Matthew 17, verses 23 through 23, it says, Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceeding sorrowful. And then Matthew 20, verses 17 through 19. Would you please read it with me? Ready, read. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. But what will happen? And the third day... Hallelujah. He will rise again. Amen? Did you notice in these three scriptures, each time Jesus referred to his death, he also in the same breath referred to his resurrection from the dead. Why is this so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. He knew his mission was not to be a martyr. He knew his mission was to be the Messiah. The one who would lead us back into relationship with God as our living Savior. I love the song by Bill Gaither. We could possibly sing it one night. It says, God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came to love, to heal, and to forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, what can we do? Because He lives, we can do what? We can face tomorrow and what's gone? All fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. The Democrats don't hold the future. Hallelujah. The the Republicans don't hold the future. The government is upon his shoulder. He is alive. We're getting into Easter now. (laughs) We can face tomorrow. All fear is gone. He holds the future. And life is worth the what? Life is worth the living. Why? Because He lives. 
Because he lives, we have a purpose. <laughs> that, my friends, is the gospel message. Jesus died, but now he is alive. <laughs> but he didn't die alone. You were there with him. You were on his mind when he hung on Calvary's cross. He took your sins, your sorrows. He took all of our pains to the cross. Woo, hallelujah. And then he went to the grave. Amen. And all of those things died with him. Billy Graham said this. The physical suffering of Jesus Christ was not the real suffering. Many men before him had died. Others had hung on a cross longer than he did. Many men had become martyrs. The awful suffering of Jesus Christ was his spiritual death. He reached the final issue of sin, fathomed the deepest sorrow, when he cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This cry was the proof that Christ became sin for us, had died physically, and with it he lost all, think about it, all sense of the Father's presence at that moment in time. On the cross, he was made sin. He was God forsaken, Billy said, because he knew no sin. There is a value beyond comprehension in the penalty he bore, a penalty that he did not need for himself. Wow. Think about that. He went on to say this. How it was accomplished in the depth of the darkness, man will never know. I know only one thing. He bore my sins in his body upon the tree. He hung where I should have hung. The pains of hell that were my portion were heaped on him. And I'm able to go to heaven and merit that which is not my own, but it is, but is his by every right. Hallelujah. It's called the great exchange. Took our place. He became our substitute. He, met, he was made sin for us with our sinfulness. That you and I be, might be made righteous with his righteousness. Hallelujah. And when you got born again, and Brenda did such a wonderful job talking about the blood of Jesus, how it cleanses us from all unrighteousness, how it absolutely changes our lives forever. When you got born again, he put a new robe on you. We went from rags to riches. This robe that he put on us was a robe of righteousness, which gives us right standing with God. And God doesn't do anything second class. When he delivers, he delivers in style. Just like the children of Israel, he brought them forth with silver and with gold. And there was not one feeble among their tribes. We serve a first-class God who has imparted into our spirit first-class righteousness. We're not sitting in the back of the jet near the bathroom. 
Years ago, we flew to Norway one time with Jim Caseman way back in the early 80s. And man, I'll tell you, they allowed smoking on the jets then. And we were sitting way in the back. And people were smoking all around us. But thank God those days are gone. Jesus took us from the back seat to the front seat. He took us from the basement to the penthouse. He raised us up together and made us sit together with Him in heavenly places. We serve a good God. We serve a first class God. And He has imparted into you first class righteousness. And so we should never talk and belittle ourselves and bemoan our circumstances. But we should learn the language of redemption and honor God and honor Jesus' sacrifice by taking this word that He has said is ours and putting it into our heart and speaking it with our mouth. We should not insult God by belittling ourselves or talking ourselves down. We need to talk ourselves up because that's where God brought us. He brought us up. Amen as heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you could just think about all of the the great exchange that took place because of the cross. And this is what we're celebrating tonight. We're celebrating Good Friday on Wednesday, I understand. But you can never talk too much about what Jesus has done. Think about some of the other things. He was rejected so you and I may be accepted. Oh, I know sometimes we get rejected in life. I know sometimes people treat us badly in our younger years. But you know what? We're born of God now. We need to let the past go and not rehearse the past and live in the past. We are not the rejected any longer. We are accepted in the beloved. We are highly favored of God. And it's all because of what Jesus has done for us. Hallelujah. He bore our sorrow. He bore our sorrow. Bible says when he hung on that cross, he says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now we all get presented from time to time to be down, don't we? Right? We all get opportunities to, to be down and, and to, you know, just feel really, really bad about what's happened in the past or what's going on. But that's not our way of life. You know, in Christ Jesus, we are resilient. And we are resilient because of the resurrection that raises us up above that. Now, we don't deny the fact that we go through some things, right? How many of you have been through a few things? Yeah? If you've, been, if you've been through more than a few things, raise both hands. If you're going through something right now, raise both feet and both hands. But thank God, we are going to make it. We are going through. Come on, say that three times. We are going through. We are going through. One more. We're going through. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Amen. Psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am not afraid because Jesus came and destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered you and I from the fear of death in all of its forms and all of its manifestations. Praise God. Look at Isaiah 53 and notice verses 3 through 5. Isaiah 53, verse 3 through 5 in the Amplified, it says this, He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Now read verse 4 and 5 with me and read it like you really, really believe it. Are you ready? Let's go. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment, yet we esteemed him, ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as with with leprosy. We'll do better in verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him and with the stripes that wounded him. He took our place. He was wounded for our sin. By his stripes, we are healed. Lately, I've been going to sleep at night with healing scriptures in my mind, going through my mind, going through my spirit, just setting my affection on the word of the Lord. Amen? One scripture that I'll say over and over again many times till I fall asleep is, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And then I'll say, now, according to Deuteronomy 28 and verse 61, all sickness and disease is a curse, but thank God I've been redeemed from the curse. And what we have been redeemed from, we need to declare it. We need to say it. Amen? Another scripture that has been going through my heart and through my mind a lot at night is, and by his wounds I have been healed. By his wounds I have been healed. Amen? Praise God. And so he took our place on Calvary's cross so that you and I would be free. Brenda loves this illustration about the crown of thorns. When that was placed upon his head, he bore our mental torment and purchased our peace and wholeness of mind. Woo, glory to God. Amen. So we don't have to live anxious lives. We don't have to be panicked in life. Fear and panic was upon him. He bore the fear. He bore the panic. 
Are you saying Jesus had panic attacks? I'm sure he did. Because he went to the cross, spirit, soul, and body to redeem mankind, spirit, soul, and body. And that includes fear. That includes panic attacks. We don't have to be anxious. He bore our anxieties. Oh, hallelujah. Fear free. What do you say, you and I, purpose in our heart until Jesus returns to live in the fear-free zone? How about this? The faith-filled, fear-free zone. That's where we're living. Amen? Amen. And so on Calvary, he also was broken. He experienced a broken heart. Many times people have their hearts broken. Jesus bore brokenness. Jesus quickens broken hearts. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Isn't that good? He restores broken dreams. He restores broken vision. And he brings recovery of sight to the blind. How many of you know a broken soul can be whole again? I know that for a fact. My soul was broken. Anybody else's soul ever been broken? My soul was broken. But thank God, because of the cross, because of Calvary, he has restored my soul and he has taken that which was broken and made it whole again amen and the good news is this he can keep you whole he can keep you whole as you keep your mind and heart set upon the things which he has done Martin Luther said this in 1530 Either sin is with you, lying on your shoulders, or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. He said, now if it's lying on your back, you're lost. But if it's resting on Christ, you are free and you will be saved. Now choose what you want. That's a good altar call. Martin Luther, 1530. Before the cross... Man operated under a curse. After the cross, we live in the blessings. Under the new covenant, we're blessed because we are God's redeemed. Aren't you glad the blessings are not dependent on your good looks? The blessings of the cross are not dependent on your works. Somebody help a preacher out tonight. First time I've preached on a Wednesday night in a while, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling help from the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Hallelujah. Under the new covenant, we are blessed because we are God's redeemed. Not dependent on our works, but on our faith in Jesus. What does that mean? That means that you and I can now approach God without the fear of His wrath or punishment. 
He doesn't look at you when you come to the throne of grace and say, oh, brother, him again? Her again? No, he welcomes us. He's made a way for us to approach him. Before Jesus, God held man responsible for his sins, but when he went to the cross, he took all the judgment for our sins. And so what does this new covenant provide? It provides forgiveness and it gives us access to all of God's promises. And all of God's promises are yes and amen. We can now be conscious of our forgiveness, our redemption, and our righteousness. Thank God for the cross.